0: the latest FT Advisor podcast with me, Simony Kuriaku, Senior Editor of FT Advisor. A tweet on my feed the other day about the rising cost of living made me stop and think. I'd written about insurance and I'd expressed that every woman should think about getting income protection. And someone asked, why am I encouraging people to pay into policies or pensions? Or why am I encouraging people to save more or take out insurance when there's a cost of living crisis going on? My immediate thought was obviously to counteract this by talking about the importance of saving and pensions and protection. But I did have to stop and think where other people are coming from. Is this really, truly good practical financial advice or does it fly in the face of all conventional wisdom, namely that in leaner times you tighten your belts? Moreover, what can the insurance industry do to help people who find themselves in such a conundrum? Here to discuss whether people should still pay their premiums amid the cost of living crisis is Debbie Kennedy, Chief Executive of LifeSearch, Adam Lakey, Founder of CI Expert and Advisor at Highclere Financial Services, and Stuart Schragheim, Chief Executive of Holloway Friendly. Welcome all. Now, before we start, our intern Lucy Evans has prepared a short report on the issue, over to you Lucy.
1: Thank you for that introduction Simony. People in the UK are grappling with the rising cost of living leaving many to be concerned about paying bills and affording rent. As the nation deals with inflation, high petrol costs and a rising energy price cap how will attitudes toward insurance be affected? In July the Office for National Statistics revealed that the consumer price index rose by 9.4 percent in the 12 months leading up to June. In August Cornwall Insights predicted annual energy bills for a typical UK household would reach £4,266 in 2023. If these predictions are correct, that is a 250% increase since the beginning of this year. As the cost of everyday necessities increases, there are concerns that this could add extra pressure on people already worried that inflation rates and stagnant wages will tighten their budgets. Consumer Intelligence reported in June that 46% of people were quite worried about being able to afford their bills, and 25% were very worried, according to a views bank survey. Yet the same survey found that only 6% of people cut back on insurance in the three months prior to the survey, as reported by Consumer Intelligence. However, the Chartered Insurance Institute reported in June that one in five insurance professionals had seen customers reducing the amount of cover they purchase in an attempt to reduce their spending. The CII also reported that 18% of insurance professionals have seen a growing number of customers allowing their policies to lapse, leaving an increasing number of customers without cover. Experts have cautioned that, as the rising cost of living adds pressure, people could turn to reducing their insurance cover. In July, the Financial Times reported that the Financial Conduct Authority warned insurers at an industry roundtable that the ongoing cost of living crisis could cause customers to cancel their personal insurance. If customers are concerned about paying their bills or starting to struggle to pay for necessities like petrol, why should they continue to pay for insurance premiums? Well, some insurance is legally required. For example, those that own or drive a vehicle will need to have motor insurance under the law. Other insurance such as critical illness cover or income protection is classed as optional, meaning it is not legally required. With many budgets being squeezed by the cost of living crisis, it may seem tempting to stop taking out optional insurance and only continue with insurance that is compulsory. However, many experts have spoken about the potentially harmful effects of skipping out on insurance. The ABI has informed people on the importance of being insured throughout these difficult times, commenting that skipping out on insurance to save money may be more costly in the long run. The CII reported in June that its Director of Policy and Public Affairs, Matthew Connell, said increasing debt levels or cutting back on insurance cover today could cause consumers more serious problems in the future and compromise their future financial resilience. In July, the Financial Times reported that the Executive Director of the British Insurers Brokers Association, Graham Trudgel, warned at an industry roundtable that customers who cut back on insurance may be missing out on vital insurance cover when they need it most. During a cost of living crisis where budgets will tighten and disposable income will decrease, being financially protected by insurance is of even more importance. If insurance premiums will be a vital part of expenditure over the coming months, what can be done to help vulnerable or struggling customers afford the premiums? The ABI has stated how it is helping its members during the cost of living crisis. It has issued advice on what people can do if they are struggling to keep up with insurance payments. Checking what insurance is covered by an employer can help relieve the worry of affording premiums if private medical or critical illness insurance is covered, according to the ABI. The ABI has advised people that some providers can offer payment holidays on certain products if customers are struggling to pay their premiums. It further advised people to speak to insurers if they are concerned or to check online to see what help insurance providers can offer. In August, FT Advisor reported that the commercial director at Assured Futures, Ian Sawyer, said you might be surprised at the level of support insurers can offer from temporarily reducing cover to payment holidays to spreading payments. He added, it differs between insurers and sometimes you have to ask, so please get talking to your insurer and advisor. Maintaining insurance cover throughout the cost of living crisis could benefit customers on a long-term basis. However, more insurance providers will need to make their insurance more accessible for vulnerable or struggling customers if they don't want customers to cancel or reduce their insurance cover to make way for paying for necessities and other bills. Back to you, Simony.
0: Thank you very much, Lucy. Plenty of uh, challenges and opportunities presented in there. I think um, now I'd just like to sort of throw it open to uh, to our lovely panel. Stuart, could could I just start with with you? Uh, what were your sort of initial thoughts when listening to to Lucy's report there?
2: Uh, I think we've heard for for quite some time actually that um, making ends meet is the is the challenge for for a lot of consumers over the course of the next uh, six, twelve, eighteen months, and therefore consumer behaviour is entirely natural. They will look to consider how they can reduce spending both on their regular bills, so the sort of test goes to Aldi switch and the reduction in their virgin media packages, uh, but also look at their, their non-essential, what's classified as non-essential spending and see where, where that can be reduced. I think the challenge that we have as an industry is to, to try to ensure that things like uh, insurances, income protection, term assurance, um, critical illness are seen as essential rather than non-essential, and I think the uh, the challenge that we all have is to try to ensure that consumers understand the difference between price and value. So price obviously is the price that they pay, and value is what they get. and uh, And I think it's important that we uh, that we understand that things like income protection are probably the only thing that are the guarantee of a client's uh, of securing a client's greatest asset, which is themselves and the ability to maintain their, their income and lifestyle during times of um, of adversity. And as you probably know from other sources, ONS data also says that the average household expenditure across the UK is about £2,500 a month. And obviously, without that protected, uh, consumers will get into debt very, very quickly uh, if they haven't got the right uh, the right insurances in place. So I think we are seeing natural consumer behaviour, but I think there's a very strong place for the insurance industry both uh, advisor and product provider, to provide the kind of support that consumers will need.
0: Absolutely. Thank you very much, Stuart. Uh, Debbie, I could see you nodding there to a lot of things that both Lucy and Stuart were saying. Can I bring you in, please? Yes,
3: and, and I think I, I agreed, actually, I recognize some of the um, you know, information and stats that Lucy was, was portraying there, that you know, our, our consumers expect to be worse off. At, at LifeSearch, we did some research. We do it every year our health, wealth, happiness um, index. And this was earlier in the year when inflation was predicted to be 9% at the time. And consumers were expecting to be about £3,000 a year worse off. So we could already see, as Stuart was saying, I think this, you know, behaviour about, well, how do I prepare for that? And, you know, we have to face into that for protection. How do we convince consumers that we should get a share of that precious household income now? Why should they place it to to our cover, you know, non-essential cover, as as Lucy was saying? And and to some extent, it goes to the really heart of what we're doing is that for, um, you know, a premium that is relatively affordable, Um, you know, the basics of our industry, we pool together to help people when there is a catastrophe. And I think we really have to try and get across that message that this is a safety net that they're putting in place. And we talk a lot now about financial resilience. So it it feels that in times where families will struggle, um, they will make hard choices. How can we help them recognize that actually they're doing something good by trying to maintain some cover and actually may give them, you know, not only financial resilience, but some mental well-being as well. But there's a lot we could do and, you know, happy to come on to that. But I think there's a lot, you know, MySpace advisors need to do to help convince customers it's a good thing they're doing.
0: Mm. Um, Alan, have you started to have some of these difficult conversations with your clients?
3: Not
4: yet, although a, a budget is always a, a discussion with a, a new client and many existing clients. I, I think, in a sense, we've been through this before, haven't we? We've, we've had massive increases to interest rates in 1981, 1991. We've had inflation at 27% in 1991. We've had the stock market up and down on numerous occasions. The, these, these aren't rare. You know, the Gordon Brown said that he had ended boom-bust cycle. Well, clearly he hadn't. And it's a, a natural, because markets work on sentiment and not common sense, it's a natural thing that we're going to go through variations of boom-bust over the years. So many people will have gone through something of a similar nature before. And... The message, in a sense, is this is temporary, whether that means a couple of years, whether it means five or six years, depends on various factors. But as Stuart said, insurance isn't really optional if you've got any common sense. Insurance is something that that you must have because the financial implications of death, serious illness are such that they'll be worse than the current position.
0: And I guess that's a certainty, isn't it? We're all going to we're all going to die at some point. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, I I can see the the value in making sure that you have that sort of life insurance in place. Um, but I mean, th- th- there is an argument, you know, if people can barely pay for petrol, Alan, how, you know, how can they how can they pay for premiums? So so you know, if someone were to come to you and, and, and sort of present that to you. How do you make the argument for affordability of premiums?
4: Okay, I mean, we're we're talking possibly about mortgage cover, possibly personal cover. And if it's mortgage cover, it's slightly different because I think most people do realise that they have to have protection for a mortgage. And most insurers have now brought out a variety of plans, a budget plan and a comprehensive plan, if we're talking critical illness cover. Um, there's also simple life insurance which sometimes isn't cheaper than non-simple life insurance so that's a bit of a bit of a a oxymoron in a sense but nonetheless I, I think it's pretty clear that if you have a sensible considered conversation with a client and you set out the pros and cons the implications of not being insured the implication of not having an income when you're ill which many people will be far more aware of due to COVID, then I think you can have a a sensible conversation. Equally, if you're talking to an existing client who says, I can't really afford this, then there are options available. Um, We can look into that in greater detail in due course. Um, But there's many, many options out there to reduce costs for existing clients and also introduce them for new clients.
0: Absolutely. Debbie, can I bring you back in here?
3: Yes, I, because I, it's one of these um, statements, Alan, it's hard to disagree with um, where you, you say, you know, any sensible person would think, yes, I can see I should have cover. We know that in the industry, we know that. But I think we would be wrong to just assume that that's a given. Um, and actually, you know, if you set aside this this particular you know, um, cost of living issue that we're facing into. I think we've always had this lack of engagement issue anyway in our products for, for customers. You know, we've often quoted that you can get term assurance, you know, for less than the price of coffee um, and that, and yet still more people insure their dogs than than their lives, you know, so how, I, I think if we felt that, look, people will do the sensible thing, we may be actually facing into more of an issue than as an industry we we realise. And that's why I think we do need to take this seriously to some extent. I think we have got solutions, so I don't think it's dire. I think you're right. I don't think we should be, you know, scaremongering and that. I think there's some really good solutions, but there is definitely more we could be doing and and I think if anything, is this not a really good opportunity to get across? You know why, you know why should you put you know your ten pounds to the life cover policy rather than potentially put food on the table? And it, you can see things happening. You know, just just um, yesterday, I read from one of the pension consultancies, people are stopped paying into their pensions. That we may not be seeing it quite in protection yet but people are starting to stop paying into the uh, pensions and that's maybe it's too far ahead for them to think that that will be an issue but there was a very sad case highlighted in the sunday papers about a healthcare worker who had stopped that very thing and and then unfortunately died of of covid and has left you know her family without that safety net um, and, and so I think we we have to find ways now to say, well, actually, this is it's a bit like the pandemic. There's never a better time to talk about the benefits of insurance.
0: Yeah, um, St- Stuart, can I bring you in here because uh, in uh, at the sort of tail end of, of August, um, well, actually during during August, holloway Friendly did put, bring out a certain package of measures to help people sort of either get insurance um, without feeling the cost or sort of try and mitigate some of the cost could you talk about some of those measures and why you you, why you put those in place uh
2: yeah so talk about the why first before the what so many that's if that's okay the the consumer consumer behavior is is uh is actually quite interesting the experience that our customer engagement team have with our with our members is is quite interesting Uh, we only get involved normally as an insurer at the point of distress. So a direct debit has lapsed or it's lapsed twice or, you know, we have to engage with, with, the, with the customers to find out what we can do to help to help them either save the product sale to make sure it's, they stay on risk and they stay on cover and to understand their, their circumstances. And it's quite interesting that, that if we go back probably six to 12 months, the, the, the customers that we were engaging with were only really worried about the short term implications of, of, of debt and, and managing through um, through particular financial crises. Uh, at the moment, speaking to my customer engagement manager just this morning, uh, that's that's changed. So they're they're not just worried about short term; they're also now worried about longer term implications. Um, despite the fact that pay rises are still cushioning some of the cost of living crisis, and and we haven't yet entered a recession, and we're maximum you know uh, employed across the UK, people are still very worried about the longer term implications of of rising cost, inflation, uh, etc. Uh, and it's quite interesting that therefore the time that we get engagement is when they've decided to do something. Uh, so one of the things that we've tried to do is to identify as early as we can when things are uh, going wrong, which for us is around direct debit collections, and then to step in as early as we possibly can by first of all, notifying the advisor that a direct debit has lapsed. And second of all, to, to, if we can to speak to the customer to find out what we can do to help. And the things that came out uh quite quite strongly were short term, uh, can you do something to help me just get over the the short-term financial bubble that they're going through? So we had a number of people that were trying to buy white goods, um, you know, washing machines and fridges, but they physically couldn't pay for them, and therefore I'd canceled their policy because every thirty or forty pounds a month made a difference. So the reintroduction of payment holiday periods, uh, like most insurers will do this after a certain period of time, uh, we just brought that that forward so people can do that now After any time after three months that the policy's been in force. So it just gives them a bit of breathing space. Of course, they're not on cover during that period because they're not paying for it, but at least it gives them a bit of, bit of breathing space and it might enable the policy to go back on risk in a month or two's time because there's a lot of short-term financial issues. Uh, we had others that were in a worse financial positions. Uh, and as a mutual, uh, one of the things that we always look at is how we can... Look at our our members and their families in a broader sense, a more holistic sense, and therefore we've introduced a hardship fund, uh, which is discretionary. So, if people need access to short-term cash, and we think it's a uh, you know related to 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 what we do as an industry and as a, and as an insurer, then we will provide some cash to help them get through a particular period of time. I, I would say that they're important, they're they're valuable, but they really are sticking plasters. Uh, over a over a you know a longer term change, and I think you know with yeah. Debbie and and uh, and Alan's uh, experience in the advisor market, there's a lot more that advisors and insurers can do to work together to help manage the cash flow challenges uh, that uh, that customers have, and perhaps we can we can chat about those too.
0: Sure, I mean those sound like wonderful initiatives, but uh, I'm sure Debbie and and Alan will both have yeah. sort of situations they can think of where clients perhaps don't always like to admit they're coming into financial hardship I mean all of us I'm sure will say oh you know we're well, a bit cash strapped at the moment but very few people when they're really sort of feel like they're, they're at rock bottom they don't necessarily want to admit they can't pay or they don't want to tell their families they can't pay so there is still this this feeling that you know how can you help someone like Debbie and Alan how can you, how can you help people when they almost don't want to have those conversations in the first place
4: there is a an option for advisors to actually be preemptive in this it's something that we do on a regular basis and there's a number of reasons why it makes sense first of all every advisor should review their client's protection needs on a regular basis whether that is every two or three years every year depends i guess on the client and the advisor but by doing this you're achieving a number of things you you are broaching the subject and maybe getting a a hint as to future problems that could arise secondly naturally you are putting yourself into the you know in, into the the whole of the how best to describe it you're you're placing yourself at the center of the problem for the client who may not have thought to contact you but because you're there now you've enhanced the chance of of that happening before a policy is cancelled or or before the person goes on money supermarket to try to get a cheaper one. One of the things that we do on a regular basis is if you look at a mortgage protection policy, which if it's maybe five, six years old, has been set up with an interest rate of possibly eight, 10, 12, even 15%. And you then look at the actual interest rate that's been paid on the mortgage. It means after a period of time, they are quite a bit overinsured. Uh, To give an example, I I was looking at mine earlier, a £100,000 policy over 25 years with an interest rate of 8%, it means that the the insurance policy has reduced down to £90,000. But if the average mortgage rate was 2%, then the mortgage is now £80,000. So you can broach the subject and say also to the client, look, you're in a position now where we can actually reduce the cost because the interest rates have been that low. They'll take out another plan, presumably at 8%, so they're protected against future rises. But you can simply reduce by maybe 9, 10, 15, depends on the term, percent. And that's given them an advantage at the outset rather than waiting till things get dire.
0: Thank you very much, Alan. Debbie, I can see You're in agreement, and I I know LifeSearch also is very proactive in in wanting people to buy insurance with advice, not just go straight to a broker service, brokerage service, and just get it (laughs) straight without any advice. We, we we absolutely are, and um, but the reason we we
3: do that is that it's because we really want to address the needs, and that you know Alan's example about you know getting the right product and matching a mortgage rate is exactly why that that probably won't happen if you're just trying to sell a bit of life cover, um, and and you know to to its earlier point where it's price over value. But but it's not um, very much, I, I think that can still be done in a non-advised way. It's just making sure you have proper conversations. And for me, the investment at Life Search is actually now into our retention and review teams for all the reasons we, we've been talking about. Um, we do have a, a very highly successful retention team now. You know, going back to an earlier point that Stuart made about how do we get how do we catch the customer just before they make a decision to start canceling direct debits because once there are a few missed premiums in, it gets very difficult. Um, and it does get difficult for insurers um to try and put them back on risk without necessarily having to go through full underwriting uh, again. so for us there there's a couple of things that that i think we, we will keep doing, but but I'd like to see more of happening. It, it's actually for insurers, you know, to what we call please hot key customers over to us. You know, when your back office admin team is having a conversation with someone and you, you are absolutely right, Simone, they, they won't start to talk to people immediately about I'm struggling. They'll phone up and say, I just need to cancel my direct debit. And a lot of insurers... Um, unfortunately the admin teams just aren't set up to then deal with that conversation and quite rightly some of them will be wary about straying into advice but there are advisors that could catch those calls very quickly and catch those customers and we then do have uh, i think a more considered conversation and often the answer is to restructure you know to the point about potentially you know can can you reduce, A term can you reduce cover and what I would like to see though is that that, that's quite hard then sometimes to ask our insurers to accommodate that and should we be looking you know is the you know the beyond the sticking plaster is it much more flexibility in what I call sort of toggle on toggle off Um, products a bit like you know your Netflix subscription you you put it on one month you take it off the next month you take a bit of a package off you put it back on again I think we have to find a way to give customers that flexibility to to manage their finances manage their insurance in a way that gets them through some some crunch points as well so for me it's about have the right conversation, but have it very early. Restructure if we can. I think we've definitely got more to do to do there. And, and probably just a third point from me, um, I really think we need to look at how we talk to customers and how they, you know, just see their direct debit and payments go out. Um, we actually have cases where they've cancelled one and they think actually they've cancelled because it's the same sort of insurance brand. They've cancelled their car insurance, but they've actually cancelled their their income protection and and that's that can be a bit of an issue Um, can we improve our correspondence indexation letters go out simply saying your next month's premium is this can we just say actually do you want to talk to us about that is this still right for you so I I think a lot about hotkeying correspondence but can we restructure products and
0: flexibility as well and that's a really interesting point Debbie because what you and Alan have both been saying and it makes me think you know the modus operandi generally of the sort of insurance industry is that you scare people into having insurance you must have it in case the worst happens and actually the worst happens a lot more than you think and if you were to lose your job well you think you're screwed now yeah. but you're really screwed if you lose your job I mean it kind of frightens people into having it but then not enough seems to be done at point of departure to encourage people to stay so there's definitely more we can do um, but Stuart, can you talk a little bit more about some of those points about that extra flexibility, perhaps sure. about packages that Debbie mentioned and what sort of, what added value can insurance products give that might actually make someone think twice about actually this is not just a product in case the worst happens, but actually this can help you right here and now.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think there's a couple of points that have come out here, which I think are, are really worth, uh, are worth talking through. Um, For firms like like Alan's and Debbie's, there is a lot of engagement with customers throughout the life of the product and throughout the life cycle of the product. I have to say that's unusual. So the customers that contact us uh, have not spoken to their advisors and don't want to speak to their advisors either, actually, whether it's through inertia or embarrassment or whatever it is, but they haven't. So when we ask them, why don't you go and speak to your broker? No, we don't want to do that. We just want to try and deal with things so there is a question mark which i think is to, to Debbie's point actually about engagement is how are we as um, advisors and product providers engaging with those uh, with those with those customers and how do we maintain that relationship over the short medium and long term and that's something which we've been wrestling with for decades and we still haven't got it right so I think there's more there's more that we need to do to do there um, uh, but to your points around flexibility uh Simony, the the thing, the things I wrote, i wrote down were uh, around the restructuring options that especially income protection uh consumers can do. we've already talked about potentially reducing the benefit level. so somebody's you know going from two thousand pounds other benefits to fifteen hundred to a thousand, but also the benefit term. so rather than it being paid up until retirement, maybe look at a five year or or a or a, or a two year or even a one year, or even reducing the policy term from age seventy to age sixty five to age fifty or whatever it is. Um, and also the other option of potentially switching between level premiums and age-costed premiums. So there's a number of things that advisors can do, and we also do for our customers without giving advice, because we aren't giving advice and we don't want to either. Uh, we we want to work in partnership uh, with, with the advisor community. And most most product providers can do variations on a theme uh, around a number of these things. And so we would we would rewrite a product if we needed to, if the customer was uh, was was uh, was 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 that way inclined? It doesn't require advice if somebody's you know reducing a benefit or whatever. We would just rewrite the product, and that's quite simple. Customer doesn't doesn't see any difference. Direct debit just reduces, and that's it. They don't actually see what don't need to be involved in what happens uh, in the background. Uh, having products with lots of flexibility, uh, I think there are there are two issues that we would need to try and understand. Uh, sorry, at least two. But the two obvious ones that sprang to mind. One was the was the commercial relationship between the insurer and the advisor so having lots of flexibility when you're when you're paying for something up front around uh, commission structures might make it more difficult to have to have uh, flexibility not impossible but it might make it more difficult so different commission shapes might help the uh, the, the, the journey and the second one is a technical point which is uh, we write long-term policy we don't write short-term policies because that's general insurance so all of our policies have got to have a minimum term of five years anyway um, so uh, you know having policies that can that you can chop and change and lapse and renew and all that kind of stuff that's general insurance it's not what we do so we're looking for you know for longer term relationships with our with our members and with our with our with our advisors and we build products that are designed to be there over the over that longer term but suffice to say to debbie's point uh having flexibility within our products and to be able to manage it so the advisor and the product provider are working together to look after the client is really is really the key to all this
0: Fantastic well we're almost at the end of the podcast so I'm just going to ask each of you in turn for just sort of one key sort of one key comment or one key reason or argument that an advisor might give to a client or potential client who is worried about whether they should pay for a premium or pay for their petrol. Um, Stuart I'll start with you then go to Alan and finish with Debbie. Stuart.
2: Uh, for me, I think it's the price versus value uh, equation. So, under, helping the um, customers to understand what it is that they're paying for and what value they get out of it to me is key. Whether that's the actual product or the added value of services, rehabilitation support, mental health support, etc., um, that to me is the is the fundamental.
0: Thank you, Alan.
2: Yes, the the, the
4: main message to a client really has to be what you have is an essential purchase it's not something that you can dip in and out of like you can with netflix like you can with you know buying less coffee or whatever it's something that is there to protect not just you but your family and it it carries an immense importance when you you look at protection being the foundation of all financial planning and, and indeed of survival that would be my message.
0: Thank you. And Debbie? Don't don't lose
3: your safety net. Um, It it absolutely is what what, um, we're about. And and it's why our industry is centuries old. It does work. (laughs) It does deliver. Just just don't lose that safety net.
0: Well, thank you very much, Debbie, Alan and Stuart for joining us today. Thank you also, Lucy, for providing that report earlier. For more news and views, do visit ftadvisor.com. Until next time, take
2: care. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com.
3: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing.